following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It is hour two on a Wednesday broadcast. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer in a moment. John Conlon, one of our soccer insiders, will talk about the Women's World Cup. Is this summer? There's like no hype, no conversation, nothing. It's kind of strange. Uh, So we'll get to that. We'll talk about Messi in Miami. I think his debut date has been set. The state of soccer uh, in America from... Club to high school to college uh, to the emergence of so many more professional teams, including one day on the west side of the state. I know the city of Grand Rapids is close to finalizing all the details for a big soccer stadium. When I say big, you know, six to eight thousand or so in downtown GR. So a lot going on. If you have a soccer comment or question, you can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at one eight six six eight three eight four eight four three. That's one eight six six eight three eight huge. Add huge show on Twitter, the huge show on Facebook. Also opted on that huge text chain. Text the word huge to twenty one thousand. John Conlon back in studio. Uh, what well, it's been? World Cup was the last time uh, we I had. Think yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's been a bit. What about the women's World Cup? You and I were sitting here. Like I had to, I had to double check yesterday that it's in Australia, New Zealand, even. Right before our conversation this hour, what is it with no hype on this women's soccer team where they've been the darlings of soccer in America for decades? I still think they are. I think, uh, you know, we're finishing the NBA playoffs and uh, NHL playoffs, and it just hasn't been hyped up yet. But I think that's probably going to happen the next couple of weeks, I would think. In terms of hype, you need stars. For sure. And their stars have all, you know, when we talk about those decades of the Mia Hams and yep. Lupinos and everything. I, I think teams become public icons based on their star power. And I don't think there's a lot of star power on this year's USA squad going in to Australia and New Zealand for the World Cup. I think there is. I just think it's it's young. And, un- and it's soccer star power in the soccer circle. Right, and right? It's, it's unknown. I, I think, you know, with like Mia Ham and... Her group, they were the first ones. So Mia obviously was the face of that. Um, then you have the next group that comes along, um, and then you know, and then you have all the controversy with Rapino and everything that went on the social controversy. And so, I just think you have a young group of players that people don't know about yet who are very talented, uh, who are probably the favorites for the World Cup. Although I do think it'll be hard for them to win this time. Uh, I think you just we just don't know a lot of these stars yet. Yeah, and, and you get Rapino and Morgan and Ertz uh, still a part of it. So they're trying to balance veterans with the youth, and we'll get to the men's national team, which is doing the same thing. They just went young in that last win over Canada, and they circle back to their coach, Awana, kind of had live auditions. So the state, the state of the U.S. soccer program, again, you're closer in those soccer circles, John, and that's why we have you in studio. I... They, they seem to always be searching for a direction. 
I think we're on the right path, definitely at the national level in terms of what we're doing with our national teams. I still think with our youth system, we're a long way off. Uh, it's still pay to play. Uh, it's still missing quite a few players. It's still having average coaches work with top flight talent. It's still there's not a great pathway. Uh, so I think the youth system is still a long way off. But I, I think with our national teams. I mean, obviously, with the women, you know, we're the number one team in the world every year for the most part. We're the favorite for everyone. It's been that way for how long? Uh, since 99, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, I was to say almost three decades. Yeah. You know, even early 90s, uh, we were definitely the best team in the world. I do think the world's catching up on the women's side. I think that England legitimately has the ability to be the number one team in the world right now. Uh, I think, you know, you have Germany and Brazil and. Uh, Japan and some other powerhouses out there too that are are very competitive with the U.S. Uh, on the men's side, I, we're young, we're talented, super talented, but we don't have the depth that the best teams in the world have, and that's still like I told you this, you know, 15 years ago. I think we're 40 years off. I, I, we will not win a World Cup in my lifetime. I'm telling you that it's not going to happen. And the reason is because of our youth development system? I think there's a lot to it. I think uh, we'll get close. You know, we might have a semifinal here. We might have a, maybe even make a final at some point. I just think the depth of our talent at the, at the international level is nowhere near the France's, the Argentina, Brazil, Spain, Italy, right? Italy yeah. England. Like, we're just... And why is that? Uh, it has to do to me with our professional league, which the MLS is starting to blow up and starting to grow. And we'll, we'll get into that, obviously, with Messi. Uh, but, you know, with the pay to play system we have in the U.S., I mean, it's I hate to say it, it's an upper middle class white kid sport right now. And that's not uh, that's not how you succeed at the international level. Like we need to be getting the best players and best athletes from all over the country playing and um, it's a money-making industry, and people are making a lot of money at the top, and they don't necessarily care about what happens with our national teams. They're, they're about making money. So why want U.S. soccer and MLS and even the Women's Professional League, uh, which they should find a way to merge together and help each other, but that's a whole different uh, discussion. Why wouldn't at least, starting with the MLS, do academies that are free? Where they could reach out to inner city kids, families that you know may live thirty miles outside of a city where they can't drive back and forth every day for practices or games or travel to Pennsylvania or California or Dallas for a tournament. Why not take that uh, free academy style that every other major uh, soccer team? Uh, national program, what they do in other countries. Well, they're starting to do that. Uh, you know, part of the issue is we're just a massive country in terms of size and in terms of number of people. So having an organized system uh, where we can identify talent is has been very difficult. Each MLS program has an academy now, but they're all funded differently. They all have different resources. You know, you have like Real Salt Lake, which has, a, you know, a full on-site school and academy for kids to be there year round. Then you have like Columbus, where kids have to live with host families, which, you know, that's a lot to ask for a 13, 14 year old kid to go away from home and live with a host family. Uh, so it's just every MLS team has a different amount of resources and a different way of doing things. And it's based on how successful they are, how, you know, how much money they're bringing in. We're just not to the point yet where we can have that all the way top down model 
uh, like you know England has with their academies. Why? Why? We have the money. Uh, why? Why not do it? Uh, is it because of the pushback from the soccer community that's cash and checks from those kids? I'm sure there's a piece of that. I'm sure. You know, I, what I have learned over the thirty some years I've been working in club soccer is that we have quite a few gatekeepers who somehow got into those gatekeeper positions and they decide who moves on, who doesn't. They decide uh, who plays professionally, who doesn't. They decide uh, who gets money, who doesn't, who gets into leagues, who doesn't. And we see this all over the country at the youth level. I mean, we have like 17 different youth leagues now uh, all, all at the national level, right? So no one knows what's top, what's bottom, you know, where the good teams are, where the good players are. And it's all about making money. And uh, unfortunately, that just dilutes the talent and then dilutes the coaching as well. Speaking of coaching, John Conlon is one of the top high school soccer coaches in America, also a club coach. And we'll get to both worlds where you've seen it. Yep. Where kids who don't have money and kids that do have money. He's one of our soccer insiders in studio. If you have a soccer comment or question, you can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1 866 838 4843. That's 1 866 838 Huge. Add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Opt in on that huge text chain, text word Huge out of 21,000. So I mentioned uh, you've coached boys at East Kentwood for a long time, currently coaching girls at Byron Center at the high school level. And did girls at East Kentwood. And did girls at East Kentwood. And then you've coached club soccer with, you know, through your children and also away from just uh, your coaching ability. So you've seen that world where parents who have money, where kids can go travel and get the best training and the best equipment. And then you've seen a world where uh, making that high school soccer team means everything to that boy or girl at – uh, East Kentwood and even at Byron Center. So that bridge, uh, how do you get people going back and forth both ways on that where it really helps the game uh, advance and go to the next level? It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great, You have too many people making too much money that won't let go of their little piece of the soccer world. So I, well, well, you just said, right? The gatekeepers. The, the gatekeepers. And, you know, if, if you ever run into somebody in the soccer world that tells you this is the pathway, this is the way to do things, you need to run from that person, right? You know that they have an agenda, okay? Because I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm not sure I know what the correct pathway or you know gateway is for kids and i've been doing this a long long time would it be smart and and the ncaa's talked about this between the fall season and the spring season and two years of making games count and and keeping it going year around right i think it should happen Uh, what what about the high school level where you would play fall soccer spring soccer i'd be great with that but then you deal with you know title nine you deal with the lawsuit right well the women both sides yeah then you'd have to do on both sides which is great um would would that help the sport or does it hurt it with those kids and have to because a lot of kids are still choosing club and not playing for their high school well and that makes sense um for the top one percent of one percent they're being recruited at the club level like you know the division one coaches are not spending a ton of time at high school games I don't, I don't know if i've seen a d1 coach yeah. ever at a high school game but definitely not in the last 10 years it doesn't happen very often uh you know when you play high school soccer you're playing for a community um you're playing for something bigger than yourself it's honestly a great atmosphere for soccer typically like you know we had a we had a game against hudsonville uh two weeks ago talking about byron center girls correct it was a regional game and great team yeah and i don't even know how many fans we had there but 
I can tell you right now, you'll never see that many fans in any club game. It's just, it's, you know, the club game is very um, vanilla, I guess, is the way to, like, you don't, you don't live and die for the club you play for. It's It just doesn't happen like that. However, the community that you represent, the community you grow up in, the friends you grow up with, you know, playing with them, that's just a different feel. And that's something that club soccer can't replicate, which is really interesting because in England, you know, like you grow up falling in love with a professional team that's usually representative of your community, right? And so the reason people go to those youth academies is because they love that team and they grow up in that community and they want to be a part of that. And we just don't have that right now. So you're not a hypocrite. You do coach club soccer. Yeah, for sure. You, you coach girls high school currently at Byron Center, had a great season. Yep. Uh, you coach for years, uh, the boys and girls at Kentwood. Yep. Uh, so you've seen it all. I want to ask you, outside of your, you know, when you're coaching your children, it's special. You win a tournament, win a league, win a, yep. you know, uh, the ability to go to the next level. Do you find more enjoyment out of a high school season or a club season? Uh, As a coach, def- not, not a parent. Throw throw your kid. Your kids can't be in this. Yeah, I actually, I don't even. Answer. I don't even love coaching my own kids. To be honest with you, I'd rather have somebody else. Coach yeah, them. it's stressful. Yeah. Double, it's double stress, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a tough thing to. I think you see more individual growth out of players in a club season because of the amount of time and because of the level. So, like you're of training, you're talking training. about away from games, correct? So, you know, I think as a coach, seeing the individual growth is a lot of fun. But when you talk about um, you know, playing for something bigger, coaching something bigger, uh, you know, having excitement. Like, I don't think you can replicate the two and a half, three months that high school sports do in general, and not just soccer, like, you know, basketball, football. Like, it's just different when you're playing for your community. So I, I think, um, do I like that more? I think it it feels more to me like coaching in college. It feels more to me like what, you know, coaching at a pro level would be because you're actually playing for something really important. Um, you know, you go to, a, we're going to be in California uh, for an ECNL event, my team. And ECNL is a, a club uh, high-end league. Yeah, the top, definitely top women's most like, or, you know, pretty much is in the country. Um, but, you know, those kids are out there. They're they're playing for themselves. They're playing to get recruited. They're not necessarily playing to win a championship. And, um, you know, all those kids, every kid that's out there. So it's just a different feel. It's a different, different atmosphere. Yeah, there's something missing. I, I love playing for your school community. I've seen it from my son, Ledge, and my daughter, Ava, uh, that playing for the school really means something, like it did to us when you were growing up down in the Kalamazoo area and me at Sparta. So in high school, soccer's missing, boy, and I've seen boys and girls, and I don't know if it's more like Byron Center did a great boys Saturday get-together with a ton of teams, and all the teams played yeah. two games. I, I, I like that because everyone's there. It's a bunch of team schools. Right now, soccer after school, they go play You know, until you get to the tournament or even the conference or the MHSA tournament. It, it, it seems kind of boring for the kids, yep. unless you're playing your rival or something. Uh, they th- There's something missing on the schedule. And I know you and I, uh, in 15 years, we've talked as our soccer insider, John Conlon, in studio with us, that I've had this idea now with my connection to Mark Ewell, I'm really going to try and see if we can make this happen where I had an idea for Saturday night soccer. Yeah, no, I think it's a great okay, idea. Okay, man, we've talked. Yep. It's just, you know, there's not enough, you know, time in the day uh, to get it done where I said, 
uh, in the fall when the football team was um, out of town that Friday, right? Mm-hmm. There would be a Saturday night boys soccer game like at 6 p.m., even 7, to stay away from Michigan, Michigan State playing early in the day. They only play a couple of night games every year. And you would focus your community both in school and your district uh, to draw people out to have it have that Friday night football feel for soccer. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think, and then you do it in the spring with girls. You could do uh, every Friday night. So you know, I know a lot of people go away or they have other things going on, but you could take Friday nights for girls soccer and and knock it out of the park. I would be interested to see what the attendance change has been since women's and men's basketball, you know, play on the same night. Uh, but now they now they've split it where they're playing on different. Like the girls will play away, the boys will play home. Right. The girls, will, you know, I'm talking varsity. And then, you know, I, I could tell you just straight up on us outside of a few places, like maybe a Hudsonville or South Christian, I've seen the boys dwarf the girls' attendance numbers. Mm-hmm. But I will say in girls' soccer. Totally different. Okay, I've, I've seen bigger numbers for girls' soccer than I've seen for boys' soccer. Yep. To be honest with you, for us to, and it's not easy. At the high school level, I'm talking. Correct. For us to universally allow for kids to play high school, we would need every state in the union to have their you know, boys and girls high school soccer in the traditional fall season, right? If it was done that way, then club soccer could start in November and go to July uh, every year, and then you would not have that you know that controversy of pulling kids away from high school soccer like you 'd have a nine month season with uh, club soccer and I, to me that 's what makes the most sense right You go through November to end of July and then you start up the high school season you know you have a couple weeks off in between the two. But unfortunately, what we deal with is, you know, Texas in in August is 120 degrees, right? And so they would prefer to play at a different time. And, uh, you know, Minnesota, it, it, their schedule is at a different time. Ohio's it's, it's summer in the winter, summer in the spring, summer in the fall. So that makes it very difficult to coordinate with the club schedule. That would be the, would make the most sense, but I, I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. And the girls and boys would play back to back, which so, I mean, instead I, of in the JV plays on another night. Yep, and I think just like you do with uh, football, the JV freshmen play the night before. The girls would in soccer. You don't have the flip over you get with football. Uh, it would be you know boys at five, uh, the first game. Girls at. I think I think girls soccer gets a raw deal in the spring. To be honest with you, like uh, number one, they don't play enough Saturday games. The boys play a lot of Saturday games. Yeah, in I th- the fall. I think, I, why why won't girls soccer play? You coach at Byron Center. Uh, why why won't they play any Saturday games? I mean, why don't I want to? Because I want to be able to go watch my own kids exactly. play. Exactly, <laughs> that's it. Damn, there you yeah, go. Or, or some of those high school coaches coaching club at the same time. Correct. Too. Correct. Right. And I, I I you know I will be honest. It is very hard in the spring season to keep kids in a straight line because of grad parties, because of um, prom, because it, the spring season is uh, graduation. It's just brutal. And then you have the weather going like we literally had snow up until second week of April. And then it turned to 75, 80 degrees and then went back down to 40 and then up to 100. So the spring season is brutal, absolutely brutal. But because of Title Nine. Uh, they had to flip the seasons around, and you got you know the ideal thing is girls golf should go to the spring, and girls soccer should go to the fall. Well, you look at women's. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking to Michigan right, right now, and it is an MHSA Wednesday. Girls golf, golf, better weather in the spring, 
Or you know, there's been the argument that boys golf should go to the fall with the girls because they could play the tournaments in August. And, and in Michigan, you lose a lot, what you just said about the weather. So I think I heard Bill Hobson from Michigan Golf Live say the boys and girls should both be in the fall. I 100% think they should both be in the fall. Another Another piece with the recruiting, too, is uh, during the fall season, like if you're playing fall high school soccer, those college coaches are in their season, so they're not really getting out and seeing you, right? But November to July, that's open recruiting time. Like that's time where they're watching you play their club. And so the, what happens is the kids who are playing high school in the spring, they, they're missing an opportunity to be seen by college coaches because Michigan, for some reason, still has it in the spring. The other thing is, you know, in the spring, you're competing against women's track, softball, um, tennis, like, you know, major women's sports. It, it makes zero sense for women's soccer to be in the spring. Um, you know, next time I have Mark Ewell, the Michigan High School Athletic Association executive director in studio, because Title IX would be answered that you're putting the boys and the girls both in the same uh, same season, fall, just like you would do golf, and then you have baseball, lacrosse, track and field. You have girls, boys, lacrosse, track and field, co-ed, right? Softball, baseball, all that in the spring. And part of that lawsuit when it started was to get... Volleyball. Well, it was to get sports in their traditional season so that kids could get recruited, right? But for whatever reason, and I don't... There's so many pieces to it. I don't understand why girls soccer stayed in the spring, but it definitely is not great for for women's high school. And I don't think there's a and you would know it. uh, You've coached and and you teach over in the Kentwood system and and Byron Center. And you talk about a commitment there. They have that one of the best soccer stadiums. Them and Caledonia have great soccer stadiums. So if if it's in the best interest of the kids and the sport, and you be combining it. You wouldn't be burdening ADs with more work because the varsity would play on the same night, right? So if the girls and boys varsity played on Monday or Tuesdays, and then the JV would play on Monday, right? Yeah, I, it, it would be interesting, though, to see if, if there are more teams in the fall. What I mean is right now because of spring soccer. Well, volleyball players I don't think is a crossover sport. To no, soccer, not at all, not at all, because of the commitment level. But what I'm saying is, you would definitely like right now because we share with track, we share with softball. I think you would have freshman teams for soccer if it was in the fall. I think yes, more, I agree, hundred percent. You know, more, I, more realistic. Well, I look at Forest Hills Eastern is a big school. Yep, uh, they do well in certain sports, right? Yep. I'm just saying, you know, get Grand Rapids Forest Hills Eastern. They haven't fielded a freshman or JV team the last. Two years, small school, and they're sharing with track. They're sharing with softball. They're, I mean, it's a D three. Well, you got a your girls lacrosse team. Is a, yeah, there uh, you go. There's another one that's in the yeah. In the spring, where they were just in the state championship, I think them and Forest Hills Northern share a team. They were just in the state championship and lost to Brighton. So in the fall, then you would share cross country, which again, I don't think a lot of those girls are no. soccer players in the spring. No nope. volleyball. Yep. I get from your experience. You're at the high school level more than I. I'm just a dad. I don't think there's a crossover there with volleyball. Nope. Uh, you're not you're not battling that space. The only space you would have with issues would be practice because you also have football teams all going on at the same time. And that's probably the argument that MHSA has is field space. Um, I, I would say like D1 and D2 now, the majority of schools we play at have multiple fields though. And, you know, smaller schools might be an issue, but... 
you know, it's it, we're not in the days where everyone, you know, soccer, both soccer programs and the football and track were all on the track together. Like that's just not doesn't happen anymore. You have separate soccer facilities, separate lacrosse facilities. Like you, you just things are much different. So I think it does need to be looked at again and see if it's something that's doable. I agree. I I, I think both in the same season and what you said with the clubs in, I would give them that full run and you would get more turnout for the sport. And I don't. I know with Mark Ewell's conversations we've had about adding sports where boys volleyball, water polo, girls hockey all have been in the conversation. Their goal with adding is they don't want to cannibalize another sport out of high school. There's no way you can't do that, though. If you, the more but, sports but you I don't add, think girls soccer, yeah. my, my point being here, on other sports you would, but I, I believe girls, girls soccer in the fall – you know, the one thing you would drift into, but the boys do it too, that some of those boys play basketball, right? But football drifts all the way into November if the team is have deep in the playoffs. Soccer usually is over. Your conference ends like end of October, right? Uh, no, actually, it's earlier than that. For, for high school boys, like districts usually starts... Mid-October? Mid-October. Yeah, so, so you're, you're two months... I don't think it would it would be much of an issue. And in the space, I a lot of schools now have the grass space... A lot of schools aren't fielding three football teams. I I think it's workable. That's interesting. I will tell you, too, the other thing is, you know, most schools now are starting end of August or beginning of September. So you have that three-week period at the beginning of the season where you're, you know, you have all day to schedule practices, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so you could have multiple teams on a field. You don't have that in the spring. You know, we're all fighting over gym space because it's snowing out. So you have, you know, eight different programs trying to get in the gym to, you know, have batting practice or run track or whatever. It's just it's just not a great situation. And also with boys soccer, an advantage they get, and you've, you've coached both. And by the way, it is a Michigan High School Athletic Association Wednesday. John Conlon, high school soccer coach at Byron Center just south of Grand Rapids. Longtime boys and girls coach at East Kentwood here on the west side of the state. One of our soccer insiders will get to Messi uh, joining the MLS in our next segment. But you, you've seen on both sides that the boys are already starting workouts and they work out right up until the season. Yep. It'd be kind of like having football in the spring and you didn't have the winter to get your team ready. Yeah, huge, huge advantage going through the For summer. For boys and girls. So yes. is it equal? If you want to get into the Title IX discussion, it's not. To me, it's not. And, I, and I've been doing this for 23 years. I, I've always felt the girls get a raw deal in the spring. Um, but to go back to your club, you know, high school comparison, one thing I, I would say, and this is an argument I have with everybody in the club world, and, and usually the people I have this argument with are people who make their living off of club money, right? The club world can be very static. It can be, there's not a ton of passion. And, you know, what drives 12 to 18 year old kids to do something is usually passion or something they care about deeply, right? So when you're playing for your high school, you're playing, um, and maybe the competition's not as good. Well, it's usually not as good in high school. You know, the, kids are playing with passion. They're playing with heart. They're playing with energy. It's revitalizing. Um, it can become very static when you are in this professional environment at 13 years old, being forced to go to practice four days a week. The practices are are boring. You know, you have one game on the weekend. Like, 
there is something to be said, uh, which I don't think a lot of people in club soccer get for just building the love of the game, building the passion in kids. Uh, you know, the best players I've coached were not great because of me as a coach or any youth coach they had. It's because they loved the game and they went out and did things on their own. They trained on their own. They, they watched games on their own. And so that's what club soccer has to do a much better job with is building the passion and love of the game. If that's why other countries are so good at the game, you know, as these these kids grow up dying to play professionally. Our kids are like, eh, if we get a chance to play professionally, okay, that's awesome, but it's not the same passion. I will tell you that. And I know Joey comes in here. He would tell you Joey that, Baroni. Yeah, yeah, he would tell you the exact same thing. Like. What's missing from American soccer is that love, that passion, that deep, that deep love of the game. So I've always said the first club anywhere in Michigan that decides to approach high schools and say, hey, we would like to use a club team and the nickname would be the, you know, use your school name. It's club. It would not conflict with your soccer seasons. And we would take kids from the, your district would be eligible to play on this team and yeah. certain age groups. You couldn't do the full club from you know U seven to U eighteen, but you take a, a older teams where these guys around middle school could all play with their buddies, and they're in a soccer league that parks some games on Sunday. They might play two games on a Sunday, you know, two times a month where they still would play on their club teams, but they're with yep. their buddies, right? Yep. I, I'm telling you, I, I think I, I said to Mark, you want MHSA introduce their own MHSA club sports, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I, you know the top one percent of one percent is not going to be playing in that league because they they need to play against the best. In the but club. we're talking about the guys that create the passion, the friends, True. who yes. the neighborhood they get yes. together. It, it's when we used to go play pickup ball. Oh yeah. In the streets or someone's backyard, right? That is missing. That is missing. In all sports. In all sports. It, it is become, Not just soccer. It's become too micromanaged. Video by, games, by electronics, clubs. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I want my kids playing in the backyard. I want my kids playing up at the field, playing pickup. That was the secret to our success at Kentwood. I mean, honestly, Pat Patterson, if you went out there during the summer, you'd see my whole program out there playing pickup. I mean, every single guy. And that's what you want with no coaches, you know, standing over their shoulder. They're just loving the game and having fun. Love of the game, having fun, passion. They all described John Conlon during his run at East Kentwood Boys and Girls Program, doing a heck of a job with the Byron Center Bulldog uh, Ladies Program just south of GR, one of our soccer insiders in studio. On this MHSAA Wednesday, if you have a soccer comment, you can join us on the Mercantile Bank listener line at 1-866-838-4843. That's 1-866-838-HUGE. Mercantile Bank with locations all across Michigan. You can drop your opinions at Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Opt in on that huge text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. And speaking of texting, how would you like to win a Labatt Blue Michigan Golf Getaway two nights stay, 36 holes of golf for you and three friends at either the Tullymore Golf Resort in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of GR, the Agaming Golf Resort between Elk Rapids and Charlevoix in northern Michigan, or the Dumaglass Golf Resort between Boyne City and Charlevoix. If you're 21 and up, just text GOLF to 21000, and we'll have three drawings here during the summer where you could win that Labatt Blue golf getaway, courtesy of the Huge Show and the Michigan Sports Network. 
from St. Joseph to Midland. This show is huge. Hey, it's Brett from the Michigan Sports Network. For my friends on the DraftKings Casino app, if you're a fan of going to the actual casino, well, now you can do it from the comfort of your own home with DraftKings Casino. You can play blackjack, roulette, slots, and right now, new customers who deposit at least $5 can get a match on their first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. All you got to do is sign up with promo code HUGE because your way is the only way to play on DraftKings Casino. You can play online, on your time, in your space, and within your means. Just download the DraftKings Casino app now, sign up with promo code HUGE, and get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together to experience a unique trip across the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. Mini on the Mac also raises vital funds for biomedical research at Van Andel Institute in Grand Rapids. Not only will you have a great time, but you'll also be supporting a great cause. Register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. Register today. Grand Rapids, you asked for it. Big Time Rush are coming. Big Time Rush, live in concert. Can't get enough tour. Van Andel Arena, Friday, July 21st. With special guest Max and featuring Jax. Get tickets now at LiveNation.com. For more, visit BigTimeRushOfficial.com. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle. Have a blast with Rolling Thunder Camper Giveaway. Saturdays in June, two players every hour win $1,500 premium play. On June 24th, the 11 p.m. winner rolls out in a new Coachman Catalina Legacy Edition. It's Rolling Thunder Camper Giveaway, only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway, reimagine. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. You're listening to the Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the Huge Show across Michigan, middle of the 4 p.m. hour on a Michigan High School Athletic Association Wednesday. And one of the great high school soccer coaches the sport has ever seen in Michigan, John Conlon, who is one of our soccer insiders. Beyond high school, everything club, college, pro, World Cup, and more. Women's World Cup in New Zealand, Australia this summer. Uh, John also made the prediction many years ago that Ronaldo and Messi would finish their pro soccer careers uh, in MLS. Uh, Ronaldo took the big money to go to Saudi Arabia for a couple of years, but Lionel Messi turned down. A monster money from that Saudi Arabian public investment fund, and he decided to sign on with Inter Miami. Uh, MLS's debut reportedly set for July 21st, so no big surprise there. 
Yeah, he uh, and he's still got gas in the tank. I mean, a lot of these guys when they come over to the MLS, uh, you know, Henri and Ibrahimovic and and Beckham, like they're still good, but they're not, you know, the world class players they were. And and he is definitely still a top ten player in the world. And that's it's it's big for the MLS for sure. I, I do think Ronaldo. I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't come over at the end of it. I mean, what's a forty-two-year-old Ronaldo have to lose but to come and just you know be a, a savior for the MLS? I I would think the just the publicity he'll get just coming over that will happen at some point. I would think too. Yeah, uh, they're calling the one seminal moment in the history of soccer in the U.S. Oh. with Messi. Uh, come on now, let's be honest. Pele coming over to play for the Cosmos was a pretty big moment in the 70s. Somebody who wrote that, obviously, is a part of the younger generation. I, I, this doesn't change soccer in our country. Let's, well, that was going to be my next question. No, come on. It, it definitely creates excitement, and it creates excitement for the MLS. Uh, and, yeah, he'll play have two or three, maybe four years where he's playing in the MLS, and people will sell out every single game, and that's great for the league. And it is all about the league because Messi coming over validates it for a lot of international players now who may look at MLS teams as an option either early, mid, or late in their careers. Well, why do people come to the MLS? It's because. Money. Yeah, exactly. And so now the league's starting to make money and starting to make good money, and the contracts are starting to become pretty reasonable. That's. That's what's going to entice people. It's not Messi coming over here. Like no one else is getting a contract like he's getting. I mean, that, just like David Beckham when he went to LA was making what 188, 182 million or something, where the whole rest of the team was making two million. It, 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 it will definitely change the game. It's good for the league. By the way, uh, one note: uh, the tickets for uh, Miami's League's Cup match against Cruz Azul out of uh, Mexico. Uh, prior to Messi signing in Miami, those tickets for that July 21st game were $29 uh, on the secondary market. Why didn't I buy a bunch of them? 24 hours <laughs> 24 hours after Messi's announcement of going to enter Miami, uh, the cheapest ticket now uh, was $329. It's crazy. It's, I, I, I personally, unless it was a World Cup, would never pay that kind of money to go see anyone, you know. And he's off of winning the World Cup with Argentina. So, you know, the timing is, uh, when, when you talk about the timing, and Pele wasn't with, with us uh, in the U.S. when he was playing in their social networks and 9,000 no, no. channels. And speaking of TV, reportedly, in turning down the Saudis, Messi got a piece of the MLS package with Apple. Oh, of course. He's uh, not just coming over for a contract. He's get, He'll probably own the MLS by the time he's And done. I think it's part ownership in the yeah. team, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, he... He, you know, they're like he turned down what reportedly it was a two hundred million for two years or something. I have no idea. He has, so, the, he has so much money. Yeah, but that it. Saudi public investment fund—they have six hundred billion in it. Well known for the live tour. Yeah, there's even talk that they might bankroll the SEC network or something. Oh my goodness! Well, their plan is to have a footprint or handprints in sports all around the world. That doesn't sound good. Honestly, well, they they want to do it. They want to do it to draw business and tourism to Saudi Arabia. That's their goal with this public they, investment they fund. Make, they want to make money, right? <laughs> well, they want to make, which in turn, they, you know, makes money. Yeah. So they want to go after you know SEC network is 
and SEC's popular in America. They don't have some grandiose plans to improve sports in the U.S. They have some grandiose plans to make a lot of money. And reportedly, by the end (laughs) of the decade, that public investment fund currently at $600 billion, well known for... The deal with the PGA Tour will be worth $1 trillion. Here's the problem with that, though. So, like, what we just talked about earlier, Miami now is going to have this academy. Is it going to be fully funded? Are these $600 billion going to be invested in American kids playing for free for Miami? I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I doubt it. You know, there's, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a lot of money for the Saudi Arabian people, you know, who own the Live Tour when they start buying into the MLS and this is not the path of money want. money runs money rules the world it does just tears for fears actually recut the song <laughs> not everybody rules the world money rules the world is pretty good it sounds old school john conlin our soccer insider thanks for the time in studio hey i appreciate it mark this down the u.s is on a positive trajectory but they're not going to win a men's world cup in the next 30 years Sorry if that breaks your heart, people out there. Uh, Don't forget, John is heading up the U.S. Soccer Fan Club. More details during our next broadcast. Sounds good. Everything huge 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Bullying, lack of patience, cruelty to animals. Those are not good traits. They also happen to be critical warning signs of violence. June is Gun Violence Awareness Month, and the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police wants you to know that at-risk people often display warning signs before they resort to gun violence. Search online for 10 critical warning signs of violence and ask your local police department how you can safely make a difference. Bill Simonson here with a message from my good friend Josh Garvey. Now, he's the new managing shareholder for Bean Garter. At the end of the year, they'll be merging with Dorn Mayhew, and they'll be stronger together as one of America's top accounting and business firms. And speaking of business, if you're a business owner, decision maker... Bean Garter has retirement planning services in combination with Dorn Mayhew that can help take a lot of work off of your plate. Third-party administrator for 401k and 403b plans. They plan, document, design, and have maintenance of all plans. They can help you today. Go to BeanGarter.com for more information, annual employer reporting, Form 589-55 preparation and filing, and compliance testing. So let BeanGarter help you with your retirement planning services for your company. Stronger Together now with Dorn Mayhew. You can find out more at BeanGarter.com. That is B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. At Mercantile Bank, we believe in empowering the communities we serve and that financially strong individuals and families are vital for building strong communities. 
That's why we're committed to providing budgeting tools and interactive resources designed to help you take charge of your finances. Our friendly staff is always here to help answer questions and provide solutions to help you reach your goals. Call, stop in, or visit us online at MerckBank.com to learn more. And let's help you make today count. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the final segment of Hour 2 on this Wednesday broadcast presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Thank you, John Conlon, for stopping by. Now, John was talking about some golf courses he would love to play, and he mentioned Tullymore, Agaming, and Dumbaglass. And I said, you know what, John? You don't have to enter our contest. I'll take you up to Tullymore sometime. If you are listening anywhere in Michigan right now and you're 21 and up, how would you like a Labatt Blue Michigan Golf Getaway to either the Tullymore Golf Resort in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of GR, the Agaming Golf Resort between Elk Rapids and Charlevoix, or the Dumaglass Golf Resort between Boyne City and Charlevoix? Two nights, 36 holes of golf for you and three friends. We'll have three drawings this summer. You can enter right now if you're 21 and up. Just text GOLF. To 21,000. That is G O L F to 21000, and you will be in all three drawings. Big, bad, huge. 